Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. When Amber and I moved here, uh, I was 25 years old. We moved here from Tuscaloosa, and, uh, and, 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 and when we moved here, we bought our very first house. When you buy a house, all of a sudden responsibilities come with this house, right? Like when you rent, other people take care of things when they break, when other things go on. When you own a house, you have to figure it out. Well, uh, many of you know me, and many of you knew me um, back then. You've known me this whole time. I'm not what we call the most handy person ever, okay? And so what would happen is, is when, when something go wrong, I developed a kind of like a digital file in my head of, okay, when this goes wrong, this is who I call. When this goes wrong, this is who I call. When this goes, and you just call those people. That happened for years, but as people would fix things, as people would do things, like I'd watch and I'd learn, and I'd be, I'd be like, okay, how do I start doing these? But you know, it continued on. If something breaks, okay, who can I call? Well, not too long ago, one day my toilet breaks, and you know what I did? I didn't call a person. I just looked at it. I saw it was broken. I got in my car and I went to Lowe's. And at Lowe's, I asked the person where the stuff was. But when I got to the aisle, I bought the piece that I needed. And I went home, and I took it apart, the tank part above the toilet. I took it apart. I took the old pieces out, put the new pieces in. And you know what? The toilet flushed. It worked. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, recently, in my house, one of the lights in the kitchen, like, you know, those kind of recessed lights, it went out. And I decided, well, if I can fix a toilet, what's electricity, right? <laughs> I mean, not really, it's just a light. But, but I decided, I'm going to take this thing down. I'm not going to have the regular people come over and take this down and while I watch and run my mouth. I'm going to do this myself. So I get up in the ladder and I begin to try to turn it, try to bring it. And, and I feel it come loose. I begin to pull it out, but as I pull it out, part of the ceiling falls on me. <laughs> it was in this moment that I'm reminded once again, just when you think you have what it takes, just when you're like, I've got this in life, I'm like, I'm there, I'm ready, you're reminded that I still need people. So I grab my phone, Larry, Charles. I've got a light you got to fix, all right? If you're a guest with us today, um, we're in the middle of a conversation I've called like a family conversation because every family, every organization, every team, every group of people has a culture. And some cultures are really healthy and some cultures aren't so healthy. And maybe you've been a part of both of those cultures. But I believe the places that have the best opportunity for a healthy culture are the, are the places that talk about it. They declare what those cultures are and then the, the idea is we'll be consistent in walking this out. And if you're part of One Hope, you know that at the foundation of who we are, we believe that God has called us to be people of hope in an often often hopeless world and what that takes is for us to understand where our hope comes from and then begin to walk that out but what is built on that foundation 
What is that culture that, that is just something you live out often? You don't even think about it, but when it becomes part of you, you just live it out. And so we've been having these conversations this month. And so two weeks ago, I started. And the conversation I had two weeks ago was, well, I told you, I believe that God is calling us to a culture of sending. And I reminded you that we are all in ministry together. I am the lead pastor of this church, but that is my call to ministry. We all have our specific calling to ministry, and it looks different for everyone. But a culture of sending is specifically for people who say, I'm going to have an intentionality of when I leave, when I live out in this world, I'm going to have a mission mindset, which means how we talk, how we act, how we pray. How we handle conflict as people are watching us. How we handle the good times, how we handle the hard times. How we share our story of following Jesus. This is all a culture of sending. But to live out a culture of sending, we have to live our lives with a purpose beyond ourselves. We have to be willing to say, it's not all about me, that God has called me to something more on a day-to-day -day basis. That we wake up in the morning every day, and, and we go into this world with a desire to show where our hope is found. And I hope you believe with me that that place is in one place only. It's found in Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Bradley did a great job uh, um, sh uh, talking about the next culture, which is a culture of, of worship, okay? And if you missed that, you can always go back and watch. You can go back and listen. And listen, but he talked about the differences in how the Old Testament, New Testament worship played out. But at the end of the day, what he wanted us to realize was that worship was more than the act of singing, Right? Worship is more than the act of singing in, in, in our lives. That worship maybe could be described as simply um, ascribing or assigning value and worth to a certain place. And, and you ascribe that by where you put it in your life. Maybe I could say simply this, that everything we do is an act of worship, and we have to ask ourselves, who and what do I worship with my life? Now, I got to take care of something from last week that Bradley did or didn't do. Sunday night, uh, student ministry goes on and they have a great time on Sunday night. Well, last night we decided to meet in the cafe with families of teenagers. We had a little dinner together. And, and at this dinner, I'm talking to the different parents, and we realize that being a parent of a teenager is not easy. So we're trying to say, how can we get people connected? And there's a small group that's starting at, at 9 o'clock this fall for while well, the, well, the students are in their small group. You know, parents can kind of get together, and we walk through that together. So we're having this conversation. Well, um, Bradley's wife, Carla, she's at this dinner um, but their daughter, uh, their teenage daughter, she's at youth group, but they've got another daughter, Ella. Ella's at this dinner, we're talking, and I walk up to Ella, and she makes something very clear to me. Pastor Scott, my dad last week talked about my sister, but she didn't talk about me. And if you know Ella, she's got some spunk, and she basically was declaring, Pastor Scott, you better take care of this. <laughs> All right, like you had a job. Like, like, this is not right that my sister gets a, you know, you know. So I've decided I'm going to take care of this today, and maybe she'll watch this later. Ella Hodges, we love you. 
We love that you're part of One Hope, and I'm sorry your dad let you down, but Pastor Scott's always here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But those, anyways, those are the first two weeks, right? Those are the first two weeks. We're going to move on to today. We're actually going to go to Exodus chapter 17 today. If you have your Bibles, your phones, whatever it is that you connect through Scripture, Exodus 17, we're going to talk about a guy named Moses. We're going to talk about a guy named Moses. We're going to talk about Moses and how he uh, came into a place or ran into a place that we often run into in life where he realizes that he can't do life on his own as we walk into our next culture. So Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Can I read this for you? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. If you have grown up in the church, you have heard stories about Moses, right? There are so many of them. He is, he, it is said that he started, or he was the writer at the beginning of the Old Testament. And Moses lived out what I tell you, you live out all the time. That Moses was created on purpose, for a purpose. But Moses' life, just like yours, was very complicated, Moses had some great moments. Moses had some powerful moments. M Moses had moments where he is given the Ten Commandments and he's told, bring it back to the people. Powerful moment. Moses had been part of the parting of the Red Sea so that the people, the Israelites, could to escape and, and, and get into safety. Moses has been part of some powerful and great moments. But then there's moments where Moses is put into a little basket as a baby. He sent down the Nile River so that he could be protected. Moses has a moment in his life where he commits murder. Moses was once asked by God to speak on his behalf. And Moses' response is, I can't do it. I don't have that skill. I'm not good enough. You need to find somebody else. Moses couldn't take people into the promised land because of poor leadership decisions and honestly an anger issue that he had. We can relate to Moses in a lot of ways. Like, hopefully not the murder part, but a lot of other ways that we can relate to Moses. His humanness is on full display when you begin to read the Bible. His life is filled with pain. His life is filled with suffering. His life is filled with poor choices and sin. His life is filled with high moments. His life is filled with low moments. But maybe the most relatable moment in Moses' life is found in Exodus 17. 
Because Moses was asked by God to do something specific. He's asked to do a lot of things, but in this moment he's asked to do something specific. He was asked to lead the Israeli army over the Amalekites. And this wasn't the only time that they would ever meet the Amalekites. The Amalekites had a uh, reputation that they would go into a, a village, a town, a group of people. Oftentimes they were more vulnerable, they were weak. They would come in and they would, they would um, overpower them. They would pillage them. They would take everything that they had, and then they would leave. And so God is speaking to Moses, hey, this isn't going to happen. You need to lead the army over them. And we don't know the reasons why, like, go to the top of the hill and raise your hands. God does what God does. There's, God has his reasons for things. We can only make assumptions sometimes. We're just to live in obedience. But this is what Moses does. He goes on top of the hill looking over and it's in this moment that Moses runs into what you and I often run into in life. Moses ran into his humanity. Moses ran into the reality of his limitations. That he, just like us, was reminded that we can only do so much by ourselves. Like, we know the end of the story. Like, I read it to you, see that they overcame and they did it. But can you picture Moses in this moment? He's a strong, well-known leader. He knows that God has called him to do something. He, he has to know that there is a purpose for his life, and he's learned a lot of lessons along the way. But there he is, and, and God has told him, keep your hands up, and you, the, the army, the military, they will win. But when it comes down, they won't. And he is struggling like, this is a real person. If you hung, if you put your hands up, your arms up for a lot of times, if you felt, ever felt that shaky, you can imagine. It's like, I need to do this. I want to do this. I, I, he has this, like, like, this willpower to try. I know that God has called me to this, and I know I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to do my best. But there's arms are shaking. And he runs into a moment where he has to make some decisions. He can't go any further on his own. Will he let people join him? Will he ask for help? Does he admit and own his weaknesses, his limitations? Does he own that he is not good enough to walk through this himself? Does pride or humility win the day? Every one of us has a fundamental question that's going to be asked of us in life. That question is, was I created to handle life by myself? There's a fundamental question that we have to wrestle with in life. Was I created to handle life by myself? Was I even created to be myself, but then even add God, and then I'm enough even in that? Is that how it works? What is the role of people in my life? So we're talking about one hope this month. We're talking about culture of one hope this month. 
And I believe one of the cultures that God is asking us to own, asking us to lean into, asking us to, to not just say, this is a good thing. But I believe what he's asking us to admit is that we are not the church we're supposed to be if we don't have a culture, I'll call it a culture of togetherness. We are not the church that God has created us to be if we don't have a culture of togetherness. See, I believe we all have moments in our life when we pray prayers, and the prayers go like this, like, God, I need you right now for fill in the blank. God, I need you to provide in my life because fill in the blank. God, in this moment, if you don't come through, this is going to be, fill in the blank, this is going to be an issue. And we expect God to bring the provision because he's promised us he, he will do that. But I also believe that sometimes God's answer to our prayers is to not get rid of the problem, but to bring us people. I've experienced the miracle of God providing people in my life right when it's needed, which has been the provision that I really was asking for the whole time. And maybe if you're a note taker, maybe someone in your Bible right there, you need to write down God's provision in the middle of the toughest moments in life is often other people. See, the problem is, is there's a battle that goes on inside of us every day, whether we realize it or not. In this battle, I'm just going to simply describe it as a battle of me versus we. Me versus we. That, that there's something inside of us that we celebrate. We puff our chest, or I said to someone earlier, it's almost like we peacock. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a peacock do his thing and it shows off? That there's something inside of us that we like to kind of brag about our individuality, our, our, our personal strength. That I don't need other people. It's nice to have other people, but I don't need other people. Honestly, I see this a lot in men. Women, you probably have your ways this comes out too, but I'm a man, so I know our, that this is, this is a major male issue, that I actually see it in myself sometimes and other people's. This is actually a weakness that we never call a weakness in a man, that we say we don't need anyone. And I feel like from time to time I need to remind myself and I need to remind us as people that it is not a weakness to lean on other people, that we were created to be a we people, not a me person as we walk through life, that I believe the creator of everything, creator of our lives, actually wants us to lean into that we are not a lot, uh, uh, that we are not enough. That our hyper-individualism is actually a weakness and it pushes back what God is trying to do in our life. It's a weakness when we can't declare that I want to be a we person, not a me person. 
But I'll tell you, this isn't a conversation just about us as people individually. This is a conversation as us as a church. And I just happen to believe that, uh, that a church with a me culture is always weaker than a church of a we culture. A church that has a strong me culture is always going to be weaker than a church that has a we togetherness culture. Because life is going to bring Moses moments. And in these moments, we all have a choice to make. Do, do we run? Do we isolate? Do we retreat? Do we ghost other people? That when you go through your hardest moments, you have a choice to make. I can run and isolate myself. I can retreat from people. I can ghost the world. And you've either been tempted or you have done it in your life. Where you just, this is tough and I just want to get away from people. Or, or you can be vulnerable. Or you can be open to the love and care of other people. Or you can live in humility. Because there's not a person in this room, there's not a person watching online or listening online today that doesn't need people. We need people at the right moments in our life for the moment that's too big for us. But can I warn you about something? If we wait to build the relationships that we need for that moment until the moment comes, it is always too late. If we wait to be with people and have relationships and togetherness, for when the moment actually comes, it is going to be too late. So my challenge for us is one hope today. Whether you're a guest or this is your church, the, the desire of my heart is that we will become people of proximity. That this church will be known for its togetherness, its relationship with each other. That, that we will let people into our bubbles. And some of you have big, strong tall and wide bubbles and i understand why life does this to us hurts in our life cause us to want to protect ourselves life when it happens to us we end up naturally almost retreating in ourself where we don't let other people in because we just don't want to get hurt anymore. I know that's there, but my ask or my challenge, my hope today is will you take one step closer, one step into saying, I will let people into my life because I need people. And I'll say to do three things. Will we let people into our lives to join us in the battle? To love you no matter what? To tell you the truth? Say those again. 
Will we let people in? Will we break those barriers down, that bubble we keep around us, that protection, that defensiveness that we often build up? Because we need people to join in the battle with us, to love us no matter what, and to tell us the truth. Listen, Moses and, uh, or I'm sorry, Aaron and Hur put Moses on a stone when he got tired, let him sit down. You see the story. You know the story. They go beside him, one on each side, and they raise his arms up. When was the last time you allowed or you let somebody say, hey, you need to have a seat, and I'm going to sit with you? When was the last time you let somebody lift your arms up because you know that God has called you to live a certain way. You know there's a purpose in your life. You know that there's something you've just got to do and the weight is on you and you let other people figuratively hold your hands up. What this often looks like is do you let people sit with you and cry with you? Do you let people fight the battle with you and you even let them know what the battle is? Do you let even people celebrate with you in life? Do you let people join you in what's going on? Do you let people love you no matter what you do? Even when the decisions you make sometimes aren't right. You know, often what we do when we know we made a mistake through shame and guilt, we pull away. We feel like we don't deserve the care and love from other people. So we pull away. We need people that they can love us no matter how good or bad we are in a moment. We need people to tell us the truth because we have blind spots. We have some messed up perspectives. We need people to help us see the things that we are missing. When we let people into our world, people that don't even, even always think the way we think, they expose us to a new way of maybe looking at life, and maybe we've been our own worst problem because we've had blind spots, and you don't see your blind spots. Other people see these places. We let people jump into our worlds. Because we need them to show us. Maybe this is what is going on. And when, when we let people into our world, let me tell you why this is so important. And this, if you're once again note people, there's three more reasons why this is so important. They they help us accomplish the tasks of the day. They help us grow into the new phase of life. Sometimes they just help us survive. Do you have a story in your life where you can say, yes, when the right person showed up in my life, it helped me accomplish that task today that I don't know if I would accomplish without them. You're at, do you have that story where it's the person showed up at the right moment and only it could be maybe God's provision in my life that I needed that person in that moment to accomplish what was needed? Maybe God's providing a person for you because you are stuck in the phase of life you're in, the lifestyle, the way of living, and you can't get to that next phase without somebody else pushing you, maybe pulling you, speaking life into you so you can move past maybe the ceiling of your life that you have hit 
And this person pushes you through because of wisdom, because of encouragement, because of love, whatever it is, it pushes you into the person that God has for you to be in the next season of life. But sometimes it's just straight up survival. And I know you have that story, right? You have the story where you needed someone to sit you on a stone and hold you up because you weren't surviving without that person's influence in your life. God brings us people to accomplish what needs to be done. We need to be a we people. But can I just bring some reminders or maybe some cautions today? That some people never experience a culture of togetherness, a co- relationships that are needed, because sometimes we run into hurdles in the process of relationships, and we decide it's just not worth it, we give up. You run into certain things, and you're just like, forget it, it didn't work out. Can I remind you of something that I think you already know? but I think you need to be reminded of so you push through into deeper relationships. Relationships are not formed overnight. Relationships don't happen by accident. And in relationships, often you need to give much more before you ever receive. Relationships do not happen overnight. If you're frustrated in life because you don't have that, it takes time that you invest in relationships that maybe the hurdle you need to push through is it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen quickly. You did it and it didn't work out and you're like, forget it. I'm just going to go back to being myself again. I'm just going back to be me again. Relationships don't happen by accident that you actually have to take the step. Relationships have to happen when you open yourself up to it. Relationships and togetherness happens when you decide, I'm going to look for the connections. But sometimes it calls you to do the heavy lifting, you to do the work before you receive the benefits. I've been on other on conversations where people are frustrated. I just don't have friends. I don't have people I know. I'm not making any connections. I don't, and, I'm, and often I'll ask the questions, well, what have you done to make that happen? And it's almost like there's a confusion on people's face. They're like, what do you mean? What have I done? I'm waiting. I'm ready for relationships. It's like we just think there's just a, a, a there's going to be a wave of people just like ready to be friends. And I'm like, you have to put in the work sometimes. Sometimes you do the work, the heavy lifting, and the, the residual of la- that comes later where you go, wow, I put in the time. I, you know, I, I put out the nets, you could say, of just trying to connect with people. And maybe it wasn't going to happen if I didn't do that because they don't happen by accident and they don't happen overnight. What are you doing to build those relationships? The reason we need to talk about this is because from the beginning of the church, this culture of being together is what made the church a movement that changed the world forever. I believe the church would not be what it is today I believe that the movement of Jesus 
and the salvation that is spread around the world would not have happened today if that early church didn't make a decision that we're going to do this together. Their life was difficult. Their life was complicated. Their life was hard. And when they accepted Jesus, they came together and said, we can do more when we're together in this. And we see this because they tell us what they did in the book of Acts. You've read this before. You know this. In Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves. Don't skip over the devoted side. They gave themselves to consistently. They worked at this. They, put, they, they went after this. They devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. They consistently put this together. This is how the church operated. From these relationships, from this deep belief, from this consistency, from this place where they said, we believe in Jesus, but we're going to come together and do it because we need to hold each other up. We need to push people towards the teachings that Jesus has for us. That we need to walk together because this is not going to be easy. I believe the power of the church happened when the people together said, this is what we're about. We're going to change the world, but we're going to change the world together. That one hope. We have all kinds of different settings where we can do this together. We have large group settings like this. We have large groups that come together. We have events that we do together, fun times, and just sometimes it's community service we do together. Like we, have, we have large group things that happen where we come all together. It's like, we're going to do this. But other times we have smaller group settings. You know, we've got groups on Sunday morning happening right now, and then there'll be groups after this. Next week, you're going to see all the groups that are, that are happening this fall. And there are times that we serve our community, and we serve together in this building in smaller groups where you get to meet people. I say this every time we do our Discover class, is that some of the best relationships are had is when you serve together, that you all of a sudden become a person who, we serve in the children's, we serve in the youth, we serve in the doors, we serve in the production stuff, we serve in all this. You meet people, and all of a sudden you're doing it together have relationships. We've got ministries who do their specific things. We've got the young adults, you know, the events coming. We've got our Adults Plus that do their events. We've got youth. We've got the kids. We've got all these ministries do things in smaller settings. But no matter what the setting is, my ask is, will we be people of proximity? Will we be people who intentionally look to connect with other people? Will we be people who say yes when other people try to invite us into something where previously we would have said, uh, I don't know. Will we be people who say yes? Because, y'all, I believe that God wants to use One Hope Church to change lives. And one of the most fun part is that we get to do this together. We were not created to walk this earth alone. We were not created to carry burdens alone. It is more fun, I just believe, when God goes, Hey, God, I'm calling you to do this. But we have to be people who say, Okay, yes, I will. 
I'll be consistent in how we gather together. I'll be consistent how we serve. I'll be consistent together as we leave and we talk about ascending culture. We'll do this together in unity, in mind, in passion. Because we believe that God sent Jesus and it changed the world. And now God is using the church to proclaim that message. You just have to be people to say, Am I going to isolate? Am I going to be on the outside? Or am I going to say, man, I'm going to jump in with people? You're going to have a Moses moment. Quite frankly, you're going to have many Moses moments. We're just like me in the kitchen that day, and you're going to try to do something, and it's going to feel like the ceiling's falling in. Who do you call? Who are you working, walking through life with? Who's raising your arms? Who's allowing you to sit and say, I'm here with you? Allowing God to do a work in you so he can do a work through us. So Heavenly Father, you've, God, you've created your church and called your church. You have us to do, some, to do something more than just meet today. You've created this because we are doing this together. And God, whether today is the first Sunday somebody's been here or the hundredth Sunday, God, I just pray that we're a church that love each other, that love being together and just have fun, but also on mission together, declaring what we believe and who God is by how we live our life and how we support each other. So God, I pray you unite our church. God, help us just to have, not just, like, I, I pray whatever we do here, God, we just enjoy each other's fellowship and enjoy, enjoy each other's presence as we worship you with our lives. Will you do a work in and through this church, I pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.